Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. Um, I will uh, again say that my normal practice is to pick up in a book of the Bible and and go verse by verse through the book, um, begin at the beginning and I'll go all the way through to the end. Um, but since we are in kind of a unique situation, I, I wanted to spend some time kind of covering some of my core convictions. Uh, we talked about... Um, how Jesus would build His church. And we talked about uh, uh, preach the Word, um, how that is the duty of a, of a pastor. Um, today, uh, you know, I, I, I read that section there in the, uh, in the bulletin. We seek to worship in biblical simplicity. That's one of my core things that I, I want to, uh, to try to put into the DNA of this new church plant, Redeemer Baptist Church. Worship in biblical simplicity and reach out in culturally relevant ways. Um, we like to clutter things. We have a hard time sometimes. Some, some of us are pack rats when it comes to church. And I don't mean the stuff, but I, I mean... Uh, when we, we add something on and then it's it's a sacred cow that we can't get rid of. Um, and uh, I've been intentional. I, I you know we don't there's certain things that we haven't done here that you might do in other places. We don't sing the birthday song. And we don't uh, uh, have a meet and greet time where we all shake each other's hands. Um, that's I think part of trying to keep it simple. I try to keep it focused on what the main things are. Uh, there are other things as well. Um, we're going to look tonight at the New Testament, the early church in the New Testament. They were they were um, rapidly growing. They. Uh, They were reaching people. They they fellowshiped together. Um, they're they're what we might look at it and say we want to be like that New Testament church, that early New Testament church. So let's look tonight and see uh, this simple strategy that they had there in the New Testament church. We'll read from uh, Acts chapter two, starting in verse forty-two. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received 
their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we we pray now that you would be with us. Lord, just as that song sang, Lord, give us eyes to see and give us faith to hear that your word has come and that your word is here. Lord, breathe new life into us as we look into your word. Father, be with me. I am weak and you are strong. Lord, give me strength to preach your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We look at Acts, and we'll think about its place in the biblical story. You have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it tells about the life of Jesus, about His death and burial and resurrection. And you come to the book of Acts, it's after the resurrection, and Jesus gives a commission to the disciples. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Then Jesus ascends into heaven. While the disciples are all standing around looking into the sky as He goes and He disappears, an angel comes and they see the disciples and the angel says, what are you all looking into the air for? Don't you know He's coming back the same way He left? Jesus bodily ascended into heaven and the angel told the disciples, He's coming back the same way. He is bodily, visibly coming back. And when He comes back, every eye will see. Well, after that, the disciples, they met together in an upper room. And they waited. They waited for what Jesus promised would happen. They waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And on that day... As the Spirit came, a wind, they they heard the sound of a rushing wind, they heard that and they saw these flaming tongues come down upon the people and they, they spoke in different languages that they had never learned. I'm no charismatic, I'll just be upfront about that. Um, I do believe that these were languages that God gave the people that were there at Pentecost the ability to speak in order to spread the gospel. There were people that were present there from all these different locations. From uh, It lists there in the book of Acts, in uh, Acts chapter 2, all the different places they were. And, and God gifted these people that were there, the apostles, with the ability to speak in these different languages for the purpose of advancing the gospel. And it did one other thing too. We see a few other times whenever there are tongues being spoken in the book of Acts. And every time that happens, it's whenever there's a boundary being crossed. Whenever the Samaritans first hear the gospel, there's tongues speaking there. When the Gentiles first hear the gospel, there's tongues speaking there. It's about crossing boundaries. And one of the things that you see when the Gentiles 
heard the gospel and there was some tongue speaking involved. Uh, they they asked Paul, you know, were these are these Gentiles to be accepted as part of the church, just like the Jews are? Do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to become Jewish before they can be accepted into the church? And Paul's answer was, well, they received the Spirit the same way we did. So I believe that the, the, the scriptural teaching about tongues is that it was a sign that evidenced that they had the Spirit for that time so that as the Gospel crossed these boundaries... They had the evidence that they, they, um, they had the same kind of experience they had on the day of Pentecost to show that it was legit. Now, Peter got up and he preached a sermon. And verse 41, so the, uh, uh, I'll start in verse 40. And with many other words he bore witness, continuing to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His Word were baptized, and there were added, to, added that day about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine? 3,000 people in one day coming to know Christ, being born again. What was their secret? They had the Holy Spirit. And so do we. If you're born again, if you've trusted in Christ, He has His Holy Spirit indwelling you now. What was their secret? I think that's what we see here in verses 42 through 47. They had a simple strategy. Number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, we don't have the apostles today, but we have their teaching. We have the New Testament, we have all of Scripture. Um, What were the apostles teaching? They were teaching the Old Testament. And they were also teaching about Jesus. And they were pointing to the Old Testament about what the Old Testament said about Jesus. And then we, we have their letters. We have the Gospels. We have Acts here telling us about the expansion of the early church. And we have Revelation. All of that would be the apostles' teaching. The, the church, the new, the, this new church that was birthed there on that day of Pentecost... It was founded upon the apostles and the prophets. The, 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 uh, the words of the prophets that were written beforehand and the words of the apostles. So this New Testament church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that's one of the things that we need to be about. As a new church, we need to devote ourselves to the teaching of Scripture. The second thing he says, and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. There's a few other things that it says about that in this text. First of all, to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Uh, This breaking of bread, it could be kind of unclear what is this talking about. Is it talking about breaking of bread with with, uh, the Lord's Supper? It could be. But it could also be fellowship. One of the ways that they fellowship together. If you go down to verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes, 
they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. So here it, it, it talks about the breaking of bread in, a te- in the context of their fellowship together. They were in each other's homes. They, they met together in the temple, and they also met together in each other's homes. They lived life together. They shared together. So those are the two, first two things that they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They fellowshiped together. And they worshipped. The breaking of bread, it might be talking here about the Lord's Supper, but they also prayed. Do we, we, we need to have times where we get together and we pray. We spend, and that needs to be one of the things that marks our time of worship together. It's, it's a time where we pray. Where we, where we share needs with one another. And we pray for one another. And what do we see happened after they devoted themselves to all these things? Awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. You know, there's some principles in this text that we can implement. That we can... Um, Follow their example. We can devote ourselves to scriptural teaching. We can devote ourselves to fellowship and to prayer. Can we do signs and wonders? Well, I'm going to say no and yes. We don't have the apostles. And uh, like I said, I'm not a charismatic. Uh, I don't really look for people to go around with some kind of a healing ministry and knock people on the forehead But God answers our prayers. God answers our prayers and when we we pray for the sick, when we pray for healing, when we pray for anything that God puts on our hearts to pray for, He has the ability to answer that prayer. Whether He does or not, that is up to Him. But when we pray, and when we see the answers to prayer, those are... Amazing signs and wonders, nonetheless. Things that point to how God is at work among His people. The next thing we see here, and they who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, this has been a misunderstood text often. Uh, some have looked at this text and tried to find in it uh, a, um, a justification for some kind of socialism, a communal type of living, where, uh, you know, the early church, they, they, uh, they, didn't, they, they, they sold all their things and they shared from this common pot, is what we, we co- commonly w- will think of this as. But that's, that's not what it's teaching. It's not teaching some kind of a socialist um, economic theory. There's a very big difference. For one, socialism is, a, is by force. It's the government using the power of the sword to take what belongs to some and distribute it. 
While it's maybe well-meaning, and it's not what the early church was doing here. The early church, because of the love that they had for one another, because of the love that they had for each other, they freely and willingly gave up their possessions to meet the needs of those who had uh, less than themselves. They were generous from their hearts. There was no rule that they had to give up all of their stuff, but they, they freely gave it out of a response for what God had done in their hearts. And an example of that, uh, when you see the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, they, they saw this giving that people were doing. And uh, they wanted to get in on the bandwagon. So they, they had some property and they sold the property. And they, they gave some of the proceeds, but they held some back. But they said they gave it all. The early church wasn't perfect. While I think there are many things we need to implement that uh, they did, these biblical principles, they weren't perfect. They had plenty of sinners themselves. Peter confronted Ananias and Sapphira. One of the things he said to them was, was this property not your own? Then you had to, to lie to the Holy Spirit? I think that text shows us that, that you know, they still had property rights back then. They, they, they didn't have uh, an obligation. They had to give it up. Peter says you know, they, they were punished. They were killed by God. Not because they held things back, but because they lied about it. So the things we see so far. The apostles, or the, the early church... In this simple strategy, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They fellowshiped together. They worshiped together. And they cared for one another's needs. In generosity, they served one another. One more thing, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. They were an evangelistic church. I don't think it's reading into anything to say this. The Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Well, how does anybody get saved? Somebody has to share the gospel with them. Uh, yes, God is the one who changes the hearts. Yes, God is the one who, this text says, was adding to their number day by day. But they, as an early church, had to be sharing that gospel. If there's no preacher, nobody's going to get saved. And I don't mean preacher as the guy up here. I mean preacher as the one who shares the message, whether that's me up here or whether that's you in the marketplace. We have to get the message out or we're not going to see anybody saved. The early church... And this simple strategy, they were committed to the Bible. They were committed to fellowship, spending time with one another, both in the church or in the, in the temple and in one another's homes. They worshipped together. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They were generous with one another. 
And then finally, they were evangelistic. As a point of application, um, we need to have a simple strategy for Redeemer Baptist Church. I talked about uh, sometimes churches can be like pack rats with our programs and, and things like that. Um, you know, when a, when a new church is planted, we start off with not really a lot of programs or anything. We start off with just the worship time and, 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 and fellowship time. And, and there's, there should be some serving, just like what it has here in this text. Serving one another. Meeting the needs of the congregation. But there's really not enough people, not enough labor, not enough resources to have all the programs that you would have whenever you've got a a church running 100, 150 people or, or something like that. But what happens is a church begins to grow and they add children's ministry, they add a youth ministry, they add a puppet ministry, they add... uh, Sweet tea ministry, you know, all kinds of, of, of different things. Church gets up to 150 people, and they start to decline. What happens to all those programs? We try to keep them going. We try to keep them going. We try to keep spinning those plates, and we think, oh, if we can't keep these programs going, we're going to die. A lot of times, churches just need to know how to cut programs to cut the things that are not a part of the main mission. I think that we, we as, a, as a new church, as Redeemer Baptist Church, from the very beginning, we need to have this simplicity strategy. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. Youth ministry, it's wonderful. Children's ministry, it's wonderful. But let's make sure that we don't wear people out. What happens whenever a church begins to decline and they don't have the people to keep all those things going anymore is you have the same people who are trying to keep everything going. And so you may have one couple or one family they're, they're trying to keep the children's ministry going over here and the youth ministry going over here and, and uh, it just wears everybody out. We think also about uh, um, young families. We, we want to reach young families. We want to reach uh, couples in their, in their 20s and early 30s. Couples that are having kids and things like that. What do couples like that have? They've got kids that have school, soccer practice, softball, baseball, basketball, all kinds of things that they have demands from other sources. And so then we come along, we might be tempted to give them another thing to put on their schedule. I think that one of the things we can do to uh, help with reaching young families is, is not try to, to, to have ministries where we f- expect families and kids to show up, but we give them freedom. We give them 
We give them rest. Every other church has got all kinds of things going on, and they expect people to come and they uh, and to volunteer for this and that and this and that. And, and and it almost becomes. I've heard about people talk about how they went to church for a while, but they they were all that it seemed like all they ever the church ever wanted out of them was to be a worker in the nursery all the time. I worked with a lady at Target um, whenever we were in uh, Kansas City. And I invited her to church. And she said, you know, she used to go to church, but she got involved in this uh, kids' ministry and it seemed like that's all I ever wanted out of her. And it just kind of sucked her dry. She got burnt out and she just doesn't go to church at all anymore. Um, I'm not saying those things are bad. But we have to have a simple schedule. Simple uh, strategy. Be aware of, of our size and not try to expect too much from people. We, the way, um, there's a church in Kansas City we were members of uh, called Wernal Road Baptist Church. The way they put that into practice, they had a strategy they called W plus 2. The W stands for worship. The plus 2 is uh, fellowship and service. So they made priority out of the worship time. Once a week, they gathered together and they wanted every member, so far as they're able, to come that one day of the week where they would gather together and worship. And then they, they wanted every single member to have a time of, of fellowship, that, that, the number the one of the, of the two, where they were a part of some small group meeting in homes. Not everybody at the church all together at one time, but you might have one group meet on a Monday, another group meet on a Wednesday, another group meet on a Friday, just depending on who, when a per, what, what fit into a person's schedule. And those group, those small groups, they would, they would meet one another's uh, needs. They would be able to share prayer requests together. They would be able to pray, pray together. They would, in a lot of ways, for, fill, fulfill the function of uh, like a, what a Sunday school should. But rather than we have to all be here at the same time, they meet together in one another's homes. And then finally, uh, service. Having a lifestyle of service. Uh, I, I, I said, you know, a lot of times we expect people to, to be serving in our programs. That's another reason why maybe we should limit our programs. Because you want to free people up so that they can be serving in the community and blessing the community. Um, there are other things that we can get involved in. See, uh, I don't know in Panama what kind of things there are for, for uh, service projects that, that need to be done. I really don't know. Maybe you can share some of those things in. But we don't necessarily have to have everybody coming here for all of the things that we do. Rather, have a lifestyle of service so that wherever, you're, wherever you find your outlet for service, you're serving the Lord and you're representing Redeemer Baptist Church. Now I'm going to tie this back around 
into the gospel. I preached this this morning, and I kicked myself afterwards. Because I kind of ended it right where we're at now. And uh, I realized afterwards, I, I didn't tie this back into the gospel. What is the gospel all about? We can't save ourselves. We can't work hard enough to save ourselves. But it is only through trusting in Christ and what He did for us on the cross. We don't want to give an impression to people that all we want out of them is their works. By our strategy, we can actually communicate something about the gospel. It's not about all the things you do to try to look like a good person. But it's about resting and trusting in Jesus and then serving out of the overflow of that. I think it's a strategy that reflects the gospel that we don't work to be saved, but Christ has given His life to save us so that we can find our rest in Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at redeemerbaptistpanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.